Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. Sad to not be with you there in person at the Harrisonburg campus, but there's a really good reason. It's because I'm out here on Route 340 in Elkton at our East Rock campus. You can hear the cars driving by. And as they're driving by, they're driving by the Church of the Nazarene, your church right here in this community in Elkton. Last Sunday, uh, Pastor Jared, uh, who served so faithfully here, they experienced over 150 individuals on just an average typical Sunday in the middle of March. God is doing things, a new thing, not just in Harrisonburg, but here in Elkton. Today is really a perfect example, though, of a multi-campus ministry. I'm out here worshiping with our church family in Elkton, and I've asked uh, in my absence Pastor Sam Montanez, who faithfully leads our Esperanza Viva campus there in Harrisonburg. They gather week after week in Harrisonburg at 1145, and God is doing things through his ministry there. Let me tell you just a quick story as he comes to share the word. Uh, our, Our brothers and sisters from Esperanza Viva, they had this vision to launch a life group in the Waynesboro area this past fall. Uh, We have a a beautiful group of of individuals who had been coming and we just sensed the Lord was working. And and so uh, that new group was launched this past fall. And do you know, at the very first gathering of that life group, there was an individual who came who, who didn't know Jesus who hadn't experienced the hope and the power and the resurrection and the redemption that is available through Christ. And at that very first gathering of life group, that person committed their life to Christ. So God is doing things uh, in Harrisonburg, at Esperanza Viva, out here on Route 340 in Elkton. We are so grateful. And as Easter is approaching, I hope you're praying. I hope you're asking the Lord who you're going to invite to be a part of our our Resurrection Sunday celebration. God is so faithful. And as Pastor Sam comes now to share the word, know, church family, that you are loved. Well, good morning, church. God bless you all. And good morning to those who are in our church online. My desire, my desire is always, always that God would pour his richest blessings upon each of our lives in this beautiful Sunday morning that he has given to us to enjoy. And I pray that will be uh, uh, true. Uh, I always count it a privilege to share God's word. In fact, um, I'm always nervous <laughs> when I get up and preach. It's, you know, I've been doing this for 30-something years, and, and it's still every time I get up to share, whether it's here or in a small group, um, you know, it's a sacred moment that God has entrusted us. So I pray that uh, God will truly bless us today. And I want to thank Pastor Adrian again for the privilege to sharing his word with you. Uh, So today we conclude the series that we have been in, um, Tough Sayings of Jesus. Um, Now, as we read scriptures, we find that Jesus really made some challenging statements. But his statements weren't designed just to be difficult for us. They weren't designed just so that they would trip us up. In fact, he made these sayings, he made these declarations so that you and I 
uh, would be encouraged by his words, that you and I would uh, mature spiritually and grow spiritually, and that you and I would grow closer to God. That's the purpose of his sayings. In the first message that we've heard uh, Jesus saying, uh, we've heard the saying, love your enemies. And the challenging thing about this statement, um, it's not that it falls in the area of a suggestion. The challenging thing about this statement is that it falls in the category of a command. It is a command for us to love our enemies. That's his desire. And nothing demonstrates and characterizes God's love more than the love that we share with somebody else who has done us wrong, who has wronged us. With this declaration, Jesus is saying to us, he is exhorting us that you and I are to love like he loves, that you and I are to love one another, and especially those who wrong us the way he loves us. The second message we heard Jesus is saying if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. Pretty tough. And, you know, uh, the reality is this. You and I might think, man, this is a real drastic measure that Jesus is asking us to do. This is kind of drastic, right, to, to deal with sin in this manner. And that is exactly the conclusion that Jesus wants you and me to reach concerning sin. It is that drastic. It is that dangerous. And Jesus is saying to us, hey, sin is so devastating, and so dangerous in our lives that it is better for us to be without that thing that causes us to sin. It is better for us to be without that thing that causes us to stumble and to be separated from God than to live with it because it will cause our destruction forever. It is so devastating that Jesus himself had to die for our sins so that you and I could be free from the influence and the dominion of sin. So he says, hey, this is a real dangerous thing. So there's drastic measures that need to be taken. And last week we focused on the saying of Jesus, you cannot serve two masters. You cannot love God and money at the same time. And most of us would say, man, we need money to live. We depend on money to live. We depend on money to make ends meet. We depend on money for our sustenance. Uh, we depend on money, uh, you know, to pay our bills and to, you know, uh, with, uh, and, and to meet our responsibilities. And, and we would also say, and we definitely depend on money to enjoy life, to take that trip, to have that vacation, to have a little fun. And we depend on money for that. I don't think any of us would disagree with that. I think we all, we all would agree with that. But what Jesus is telling us is that, hey, we're not to depend on money for those things. We are the, to depend upon Him for all those things. We are to depend on Him for our sustenance. We are to depend on Him so that He can flow and give us what we need to meet our needs and, and our responsibilities and to have fun on this earth that He has created. Jesus says we cannot serve two masters. And with this declaration, he is telling us that the one thing, the one thing that most competes against God for our devotion, for our loyalty, 
is money and material things. That's the one thing that competes with God for our hearts, for our loyalty, and for our devotion. And he says, you cannot serve both. So today, we'll focus on another saying of Jesus. And this saying is this, is take up your cross. Take up your cross. Now, the cross has become a symbol of Jesus' atonement on the cross. Uh, it's, it's a symbol of forgiveness. It's a, a symbol of grace. It's a symbol of God's love. It's a, it's a symbol of God's mercy and God's favor upon all humanity, upon his people. And on it, and on it, on the cross, Jesus nailed all our sins once and for all, forever. On it, Jesus crucified everything that is sinful and everything that is in opposition to God in our lives. But what did Jesus mean when he calls us to take up our cross and to follow him since our cross cannot accomplish what his cross has accomplished. And with this saying, Jesus is saying to us, take up your cross. He is calling us to be his disciples and live a life free of sin and live a life that is totally, completely surrendered to him without any reservations, without holding anything back. So I would like for you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. That's where we will be. Verses 24 and 25. And before Jesus made this declaration of taking up your cross, Jesus warned his disciples. He, he said to them, he said to them, hey, uh, I need to go up to Jerusalem. And while I'm there... Um, they're going to mistreat me. I'm going to suffer things. They're going to crucify me. They're going to put me to death. But don't lose heart because on the third day I will rise again. And um, hearing this, Peter, the Apostle Peter just, he said, what? Well, no. That's not going to happen. He takes Jesus, pulls him aside away from the others, and he begins to tell him, there's no way this is going to happen to you. This will never happen. It's almost as if as he was giving Jesus a pep talk and pulling him aside. And he says, Jesus, no, that's, that's just not going to happen. We're just not going to let that happen. That, that, that's not the way it's going to be. And then Jesus says to Peter in verse 23, he says, Get thee behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. And here's the reason. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. So Peter, literally trying to talk Jesus out of following God's will, instead of being focused on the things of God. Peter was focused on the things of this world. And then, when they have this exchange of word, Jesus turns to all the disciples, and he says these words in verse 24 and 26. He says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple 
must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And we've heard this. If you've been in church any length of time, you've heard this over and over and over and over. Um, but, you know, this passage is about the requirement of being a disciple of Christ or, or what it is required, what is required and needed for us to be a disciple of Christ. Jesus begins this passage with an invitation. Whoever, whoever wants to be my disciples. Jesus is not forcing us to be his disciples. Uh, he invites us to be his disciples. And, and with this invitation, he makes it clear to us that if we are willing, if we are willing, and if we want to be his disciples, then we have to understand what being a disciple means. We have to be clear. So, in verse 24, he says, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. So, to deny yourself. To deny yourself means to denounce or disown yourself. It carries the sense of disassociating with all that one is all that one is without Christ. Denounce all that one is without Christ. Without Christ, I am lost in my sins. Without Christ, I am driven by a sinful nature. Without Christ, I am susceptible to thoughts and acts that dishonor God. To deny yourself is to repudiate the lifestyle and the sinful and what the sinful nature produces in us. So deny yourself. He also says that if we want to be his disciples, we have to take up our cross and, and to follow him. Contrary to what some people may think, taking up your cross is not about carrying a weight. It's not about carrying a, 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 a burden in your life like a strained relationship or a, a thankless job or a, a physical illness. And we don't walk around those as if we have a, a badge of honor and we say, oh, I'm just carrying my cross. That's not what he's talking about. Your cross is not the difficult person you have to deal with every day. It, it, it is not the boss you don't get along with or, or the neighbor or the co-worker uh, who always going against you. That's not your cross. Our cross is our fallen nature and inequality with the image of Christ. That's our cross. It is the inequality that we have. And that inequality has to die so that it can be transformed into the likeness of Christ. It is a call to die to self and all that it is in opposition to Christ. It is a call to die to self to receive the life that God has for us. That's what it is. In the Roman Empire, a convicted criminal, when he was led to be crucified, he was forced to carry 
his own crossbeam. And he did this publicly. This was uh, uh, demonstrated publicly that he was under the submissive rule or norm or law that he was originally opposing. And when he carried that crossbeam, it was a public declaration that he was now submissive and under the law that he was opposing or the rule that he was opposing. So by taking up our cross, we demonstrate our submission to the one whom we have been rebellious against. It also means that one is willing to be ridiculed and to die to follow Jesus. When we take up our cross, we demonstrate our submission to Jesus, but this is not a this is not a, a forceful submission. This is a voluntary and willing submission. Jesus says, if you are willing, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus continues in verse 25 and verse 26. And he says this: For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? And with this, Jesus is telling us that we cannot preserve our lives for as much as we try. Not even with all the resources of this world, we cannot preserve our lives. Rather, he tells us that we find our life, we find our purpose, we find our meaning by giving our lives to him. And by giving our lives to him, he preserves our lives forever, forever and ever and ever and ever for eternity. The reality is that no one, no one, nobody has gained the whole world or won the whole world. Even the richest of individuals, the richest of people cannot gain the entire world. But it's interesting that you and I live as if we can gain it. As if we can have it all. As if we can accumulate and have and have and continue to have. And we have a little taste of the world and the good things of the world and we want more and we want more and we want more. And he says, hey, you can never attain the whole world that way. And they're never satisfying and they'll never preserve you. If the ultimate goal of your pursuit, if the supreme pursuit of your life in this world is riches, honor, power, pleasure, things, money, whatever, whatever, Jesus says you will lose your life. You will lose it. It's almost as if Jesus is painting a picture that resembles a business transaction 
where a person gives his life and his soul in exchange for the things of this world. So winning the world, gaining the world, is receiving what the world has to offer at the cost or in forfeit of what God has to offer. To lose your soul to the world is to lose who you would be in Christ and all He has for you. It is losing a relationship with Him forever. So to find our lives, we have to give it to Jesus and Jesus will preserve it. Praise His name. Now, with this in mind, I want us to consider some implications of what Jesus is telling us with his saying, take up your cross. I think we need to breathe a little bit. This has been an amazing series. I've been listening to it. I've studied every single passage that we've preached. Uh, and to be honest, it's a breath of fresh air for us from our holy God and Savior. I don't understand why we resist it when he always has his best interest in mind for us. I don't know, understand why we always have to qualify his sayings and submit his saying to our social standard of living. I just don't get that. I'm not throwing rocks. I'm just thinking out loud because I tend to do that and it breaks my heart. And it says, Sam, Get your thinking right. And I always drop to my knees and say, Lord, if it weren't for your grace and your goodness and your kindness, where would I be? Where would we be? So with this in mind, I want us to consider some implications of what Jesus is telling us when he says, hey, 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 take up your cross. Take up your cross. The cross is specifically and explicitly a condition of discipleship. Some of my Spanish is getting in the way in my head. I appreciate your patience. I understand why my wife laughs at me every once in a while when we have conversation. She says, say that again, and I'll say it. And then she just ah, cackles out. Ah, ha, ha, ha. I said, well, what's so funny? I said, oh, that's a good thing you married me. I keep you laughing all the time. So the cross is explicitly and specifically a condition of discipleship. And, and with this, we understand that to be disciples of Jesus, we give everything we are to receive everything he is. Isn't that beautiful? If you are not a disciple, then you do not have a cross to carry. Because you have nothing to give up. If you are, then you have a cross on which you surrender yourself each and every day of your life saying to God, I am yours, Lord. I am yours. I will do your will today and every day. I am yours. That's what we do. We say to God, not my will, but yours every day. Every day. 
taking up your cross, it's not something we do intermittently. This is the second implication for us to consider. It's not something we do intermittently. Jesus does not call us to follow him periodically, uh, intermittently or occasionally. He calls us to take up our cross daily. Denying yourself is not something you do once in a while. Uh, We are called to a lifestyle that continually submits to God's will and direction. So take up your cross is not about what it will cost me to be a disciple. As if to say, look at what I am giving to the Lord in exchange for His grace. Or as if paying, as if we were paying for what He has given to us. You know, when Jesus said, when Jesus said, um, you know, you need to count the cost, He is telling us that discipleship requires all that I am and all that I have. He's not saying, well, count the cost so that you know what you need to pay here and there, a little bit here. No, 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 that's not really, it's not, it's not a transactional type where you say, well, yeah, okay, how much can I give today? How much can I give tomorrow in terms of my life, in terms of my heart, in terms of my mind, in terms of my energy, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength, all your soul. Uh, and being a disciple is in counting the cost. is not, okay, how much of my heart can I give to God today? How much of my mind will I give him today? You know, and when Jesus says count the cost, he's not saying that. He's saying, he is saying, hey, count the cost means it's about everything. It's all. It's all. We give it all. So when Jesus is telling us to do that, he is telling us that discipleship requires all that I am and all that I have. And he wants us to understand that discipleship is about being all in. The point is, am I willing? Do I want to pursue him despite the cost, despite all that I need to give. He's talking about all of my dreams, all of my passions, all of my desires, everything about me, my past, my present, my future, all I give, I surrender, I give to Him, for Him to shape, for Him to mold, for Him to lead. So it's, that's what He's saying when He's saying, the cost is all. Everything. And he wants us to understand that. It is not about how much or how little it's going to cost me. It's about the desire to surrender my whole life to God. Are you willing to be my disciples? To give it all? Right? Anne Graham Lotz said it this way. She says, the cross is your daily decision to deny yourself, to deliberately, wholeheartedly, and unreservedly live your commitment to his will, to his way, to his word, to his wisdom. The cross of Jesus tells us that he made a voluntary decision 
to give himself to us and to God's will. Our cross symbolizes our daily decisions to follow God's will and surrender our lives to him daily. So that's the second thing we need to understand about this call to discipleship. There's a third implication I want to share. There's more, but three is enough for today. There's a third implication. Jesus is saying, take up your cross. Is a cross. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a call to the extreme. And here's what I mean by that. It is a call to complete devotion. Jesus does not call us to walk with him halfway. Halfway. And you can think about what that means. Halfway to heaven. Halfway to healing. Halfway to restoration. Whatever. He does, it's not a call to, to follow him halfway. He, he does not call us to give him half of our lives or half of our heart or half of our loyalty or half of our faith. Jesus does not call us to follow him partially. It is all or nothing. He calls us to a complete surrender and loyalty of our hearts. He did not give us half of his blood, half of his life, half of his favor, half of his forgiveness, half of his mercy. He does not partially forgive us or partially save us. He gave us his all. He completely forgives and he completely saves us. Scripture says this. Tells us that he loves us with an everlasting love. Scripture tells us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Scripture tells us that his mercies are new every morning. Yesterday was enough. Today is something new, different, fresh, new, more, all, all of God, all of God, all of God, all of God for you, for you. And it's interesting that in, in the commandment, in the first commandment, he, he talks about having no other gods before you and to love him and put him above everything else. And then he says, and I will be your God and I will bless you to a thousand generations, you and your descendants and your descendants and your descendants. And your... What's the point? The point here is that he gives his all for you, for me, and he expects our all. So that we can receive his all. We empty ourselves so he can fill us all. Praise his name. He gives us his all. Totally. So Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. And Jesus told this and all the other sayings. So that we can be encouraged so that we can grow and mature spiritually, so that we can grow closer to God. I'll have the man come up right now. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ. I think Paul says it beautifully here. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. 
And the life that I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I ask you, are you willing to be his disciple? Do you want to be his disciple? Real, not half-hearted, not halfway. In Spanish language, we have a little phrase that we say, hey, it's not having one foot in one puddle and another foot in another puddle. It's not like we're straddling puddles, the holy puddle and the worldly puddle. Are you willing to surrender your life daily? Are you willing to surrender the things that separate you from him? Are you willing to crucify the things that keep you from accomplishing his will for your life? Are you willing to bring everything and crucify it? your guilt, your shame, your hurt, your past, your future, your present. All that you are, all that you want to be, are you willing to crucify it so that you can have all of Him? I believe you do. I believe you do. And He is faithful to do what he says he will do. There's a scripture that says, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. You believe that? You stand with me. Let's worship together. And may this song be your prayer today. May this song help you to say, I surrender, Lord. I hate I'm here, Lord. I'm willing. In fact, I'm not just willing. I want to. I want to be your disciple. So I can have all of you forever. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.